Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Spokane, presented by Delicious Hamburgers. Welcome to Building Better Businesses. I'm Kristen Dees, founder of Catalyst Consulting, an agency that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs start, grow, and level up their businesses. This podcast will bring you interviews with experts in all things business-related. Have questions for a business attorney? We've got answers. How about your health insurance? Got you covered there too. New episodes coming your way every week. Find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest today is Marissa Alla, who is a estate and estate planning attorney. Oh, words are hard, you guys. Um, <laughs> and she has her own firm. So we met randomly through another guest of mine, um, Tanya Goodall-Smith, and she's a branding and marketing wizard. Um, but yeah, she was like, hey, I think you guys should connect, and I feel like Marissa would be a good guest for your show. And then we did, and I was like, yes, please come on my episode. That'd be great. So yeah. And here I am. And here you are. Yeah. So thanks for being here, an in-person guest, which is always fun for me. Um, yes. I do a lot of remote, some of it's location, and it's just easier these days to do remote. I think we've all adapted <laughs> to like, oh, I have to drive somewhere. Like, True, but so we're all sure. craving that in-person yeah. connection as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nice. It's a fun little break. Um, so yeah, so tell us a little bit about you um, and who you are as a human. Yeah, Absolutely. So as a human, not a lawyer, I am first and foremost um, a wife and a mom. I have two kids that are 15 and 12. And um, yeah, so in connection with uh, having two businesses and being a mom and working from home, it's it's been a crazy year. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Um, are they back in school? <laughs> yes. Nice. Okay. Thank goodness. Cool. Back in full-time school good yes yeah I feel like everyone's like oh thank god <laughs> like I love my kids and all but dude but hey, too trying much. to work at home and then also make my kids do school at home and I just can't even imagine um what do you do for fun what do you guys do for fun we love summertime I just love being outdoors mm-hmm. love hiking I have three dogs and so we love to take them out and anywhere where they can go mm-hmm. um we like to go out on the water paddleboard oh, sailboats fine, yeah. whatever we can do just yeah. to be outside I like that too. That's my, I don't do so hot in the winter time. <laughs> right. Um, because I, yeah, I'll just be like, I outside disc golf. Sure. I'll try that. Why not? Right. <laughs> Something to do that's outdoors. Like, oh. And I would say our, our biggest hobby right now is renovating our house. So oh, you'll pretty yeah. much always hear me talking about renovating my house. Yeah. seems like it's a never ending project, especially if you're doing like a lot of stuff. It's just like, oh, should we also? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we'll share a fun fact about you. Fun fact. Um, I would say fun fact is I actually... Um, sing and lead on our church's worship team uh, oh, nice. regularly at North Church up in Spokane. And uh, that's just my favorite, favorite thing to do. Yeah. Sing. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. I've uh, been wanting to take singing lessons for a while because uh, you know how it is, like childhood trauma. My uh, music teacher when I was in fourth grade told me that I couldn't sing uh-uh. and it just crushed me. But I love music. Like yes. music is my therapy. And if uh, that's usually how I can tell if there's something wrong. I'm like, I haven't listened to music in a while. I feel like I'm just... Something's not right in my my mm-hmm. universe. So um, yeah, so that's yeah. I, I love that's music one of the things, yeah. and singing. It just gives me um, just fresh perspective and mm-hmm. just sort of as a renewal for yeah. me. Yeah, it's uh, like sometimes I've been doing this a little bit lately. I just kind of need to clear my head. And so road trips, 
which is a great place to listen to music. There's oh, nothing yes. quite like the acoustics in your car. Um, and so sometimes I'll just go drive around out in the countryside and listen to music and sing along and oh, it's just like a, a reset kind of thing. So And the beauty, yeah. just yeah. the beauty of the area. It's so yep. great. Yeah, lots of rolling hills and mountains and trees. Yeah, it's great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, so tell us about what you do on the work side of things. How do you provide support for business owners and entrepreneurs and or other people? Absolutely. Um, well, as specific to business owners and entrepreneurs, I, in addition to estate planning, I also help businesses identify what type of business they should be between, you know, sole proprietorship, LLC. I can draft operating agreements and other small business agreements. Um, I've drafted some uh, minor, you know, employment contracts. Really, my work is geared towards the small business and the entrepreneur mm-hmm. and helping them figure out whatever legal needs they have. But I think most importantly is estate planning. Um, and people don't always think about incorporating their business and what they do into their estate plan in the event of an accident um, or medical condition that arises mm-hmm. um, suddenly. And then how do you, what do you do with the business? What happens? Yeah. Well, and that's kind of um, originally what I was thinking about too is the, as having you on here is talking about that aspect of it because it all ties together. If you're a business owner and you're a small business, then it is your life. It's not like you're just working in a corporation and if you die, they're like, oh, oh, we'll replace hey, her. your life insurance. Yeah. Right. Probably. Um, yeah, exactly. There's like all these other things that have to happen. And it's like, if, if that's your family's livelihood um, or a primary source of it, then those are considerations that you should probably think about. Absolutely. All the time. Right. And even yeah. just considerations like if, if something were to happen to you, who knows where all of the business documents are? Yeah. Because me, like a, you know, a solo law firm and entrepreneur, um, I have to always work with my husband on telling him where stuff is. Who are my clients? Who am I working <laughs> yeah. with? You know, who would you need to tell if something happened to me? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we just, we, in, in light of this podcast, we actually just had another discussion about it, <laughs> which funny. was helpful. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I should probably do that. Like I have some, uh, some personal stuff sorted out. And I think we talked about this a little bit on our original conversation. I traveled for about a year. And so when I did that and I was going to Mexico, I was like, okay, so like I have to get travel insurance. What happens to me mm-hmm. if I die down there? What happens if I get sick down there? Exactly. Um, I did all, like my brother's like my Facebook executor. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, perfect. You know, right. That's like a thing. You can assign it to somebody and be like, hey, if I die or something happens to me, this person can have access to my Facebook. Right. Um, and who can get into your iPhone? That's a big yeah, deal too. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So like on my emergency contacts are set up on my phone, like all that kind of stuff. But um yeah, it's like a thing, you know, you don't really think about it until it's too late or until something like that comes up. And I was like, I, should, I need to do this for my business too. Like, I don't know that anyone knows. I think some people would know how to try and find the information, but they'd have to like hack into my laptop probably. And then right. good luck. It's not as out. easy <laughs> yeah. as you might think. Yeah. No, um, that's totally a good point. But yeah, so that's too funny. It's working for you too. You're like, hey, I should probably. It does. We should check in on this stuff. But even like having a regular, like every six months or a year or something like that, whoever your person is, and just being like, hey, here's what's happened since then. Here, Here's my active list of clients, that kind of thing. It so, does. It absolutely changes over time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so what's your background? How did you end up where you are now? 
um, like a journey to your own firm. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a story. I, I never really expected to be where I'm at now, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. So I started off, um, when I first went to law school at Pepperdine, I thought I was going to be a criminal DA, a DA prosecuting oh. criminal matters. Um, that's why I went to law school. I was looking towards more of a political career. Um, yeah. And you know, law school didn't change that very much, but when I got out of law school, um, I made the decision to choose a private practice, a small firm to gain some experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I did construction defect litigation for the most part and insurance litigation. And there I was at that firm for 18 and a half years. Oh, wow. So I never really branched out. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't like a lot of change. So I just stayed yeah. at that firm for 18 and a half years. Crazy. Long story short, at that point in time, I really became burned out on litigation. I just did. And I had just gone through, um, a personal family situation, uh, where my grandparents had passed away and I had to go through their documents and their businesses Mm -hmm. and their, um, uh, estate and a whole bunch of things. And I just discovered that having my own practice would give me the freedom to handle those things and help people. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was defending big corporations and insurance companies and, and you really just didn't have that people mm-hmm. aspect. So I started my own firm. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. That's like the, I don't know, that's my favorite part. I Thank say that you. every time. It's my favorite question. It's like, how did you end up where you are now? Yeah. And it's never, well, almost never. There's I, one of my friends, she's very, she was like, this was my plan and this is what I did. Right. And everybody else is like, well, there are like 26 different right and left turns before. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I think it's great. Like the, and the realization that you have when you're experiencing that you're like, Oh, you know what? Like I like this, but sometimes you don't know until something like that happens right? or something weird pops up and you're like, Oh, I really like this, but I don't like this so much anymore. Actually. Yeah. I when honestly would not <laughs> have known that had I not gone through 18 years of litigation and yeah. what that entails. I just would not have developed the passion that I have now for working with individual people mm-hmm. and small businesses and entrepreneurs and people yeah. of all kinds. Like so. the, the human aspect of it. Cause that's, that's one of the things too. Like I don't ever want to, I mean, I say this now, of course, in like 10 years, who knows, but um, I don't want to work with a larger corporation because there is that like it, it's not as human feeling like mm-hmm. there's you know, 26 people involved in all the decisions and everyone has different opinions and, um, and it's so impersonal. Yeah. You're not, a, you're not actually helping the people that you're like trying to help. It's right. just the, like, they're like, fix this stuff for us. So, um, yeah, I want to stay smaller, which I mean, as you know, small business is a very, that's actually a lot. Like that can be, it can be more millions work. and millions of dollars. It can be hundreds of employees. There's like the, the definition of small or small business isn't as small as people think it is. I think exactly. they think it's like a mom and pop shop, but sometimes it's it's actually pretty big. So <laughs> it can be. Um, anyway, so, well, I guess that's kind of answering my question. So I was to say, you'd, how did you decide to specialize in estate planning? But that kind of answers that question. So, although I do have a little bit more, you know, comment on that, that I think yeah. is pertinent in that I mentioned my grandparents mm-hmm. and um, I also, I didn't mention that my husband and I had been involved in training financial peace and other, you know, financially related matters at our church. And Mm -hmm. we ended up coaching lots of young people and even people our own age um, through various financial situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of fit 
it just fit who I was as a person, not just with the estate planning and helping people avoid the same mistakes that my family made, but Mm -hmm. also it really is about protecting your financial future as well and the financial future of your children and so forth. Um, And so it just really was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. And I just woke up one day after struggling for a long time about whether to join another firm, whether to open my own practice, and if so, what I was going to do. And I, it just kind of all came together all at once. And it was, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it really has just been awesome. That was probably four and a half years ago now, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's been great. I like that. I like yeah. that when the, the, everything comes together and you're just like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a lot of times I find that when you're trying to make decisions or make changes or something like that, um, and something is just really hard to do. Like there's a difference between like, you know, it's, it's hard. You got to show up and there's discipline. But like when something just does not want to work, I'm like, okay, all right. The universe is like, don't just let it go, man. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, how many roadblocks do we have to give you? Like, yeah, that uh, just yeah. happened to me with our general contracting business. So I get oh, it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You're like, okay, hold on. Like this is just mm. something else is at play here. Yeah. That wasn't really uh, working. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, and like I said, I think that there's, there is an element of things are hard. And as you know, like as a business owner, you're like, there's times where you're like, what am I even doing? This is so mm-hmm. dumb. Like I need to quit. I hate this. Like, and you just kind of come out of it, but, um, yeah, that's well, cool. Definitely. I like the way things work out like that. Um, so when it comes to lawyers, what common misconceptions do you hear from people? Oh yes. I love this question. <laughs> um, you know, obviously I think people perceive lawyers as being stuffy, mm-hmm. um, impersonal, right? Yeah. And unapproachable. Um let me think. And and of course, you know, I have to say, uh, the lawyer jokes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people very much perceive lawyers as out of their price range. Uh-huh. Um, unattainable. And so I found this joke that I love. It says, a man phones a lawyer and asks, how much would you charge for just answering three simple questions? The lawyer replies, $1,000. $1,000, exclaims the man. That's very expensive, isn't it? It certainly is, says the lawyer. Now what's your third question? <laughs> That's funny. I like that. So yeah. That just goes to show that like people think that they can't even call a lawyer to ask yeah. a couple of questions because it's going to cost too much. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's been my um, understanding of the yeah the way people perceive our field. I think that makes sense. Like because mm-hmm. it just it seems so out of reach and like you only need an attorney when something terrible happens. Yes, that's another like really a, good one. A divorce yes. or a car accident or you fell in your apartment building or whatever it is. Like when you're trying to sue somebody, like there's mm-hmm. but it's really I feel like. Um, it should be treated more like a preemptive yes. type of relationship, like here, like a CPA or something yes. like that. Like you hire a CPA ahead of time, <laughs> not mm-hmm. after you're like, oh, I should have been paying taxes for three years as a business, but I don't what know do I how. Do? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, or yeah. when people come to me after the fact when someone has passed away and they didn't mm-hmm. have a will and they didn't, they don't have any idea what to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, it should absolutely be a preemptive, proactive practice to come talk to a lawyer, and they're not always expensive. Yeah. Well, and I think if you have a conversation with a real human person, that's a lawyer. Yes. (laughs) Because some of them are, I'm sure. We are human. Yeah. (laughs) Most of you are human beings. Um, 
and like talk to someone that's, and you're just like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to figure out. And this is what I'm worried about. And then you're like, cool, this is the plan that I would like, this is what we need to do X, right. Y, and Z. This is how much it would cost. This is how my services work, et cetera. But if you never talk to someone, then you'll never know. And then you're just like, crap, I should have had, should have had all this stuff. Exactly. I mean, I say all this and I don't have these things set up people. So just, you know, let it be. What it is. Ooh, I'm going to be working on you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't worry. I will be coming to you. But, um, yeah. So I, I think that's, that's just part of it. And that's one of the things that I've kind of learned through my like business ownership journey too, is like setting up these relationships with people. Like I have a bookkeeper and a CPA yes. and a financial planner. And it's just kind of like the steps in the process is like creating the plan and like, what are you trying to accomplish and how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And then what happens if bad things happen? So, right. Because knowing somebody in advance is great. Yeah. If you already have a lawyer that you trust and that, you know, you can go to with a question then you're not going to panic in a moment of need. You're going to know exactly where to go. Yeah. Like, so, this is my person that I call for this. Like, yeah. So many happened. of my yeah. clients that I've done their wills and trusts and estate packages, they'll call me over the course of years for just different little questions that arise. And I don't even charge them for that. That's just a, hey, we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're connected now. And if you, if you have a question, I'm going to answer it. Yeah. And if it becomes something more complex, then it'll be like, hey, that's a different conversation. Right. But if it's just a little like, hey, what do I do with... X, Y, and Z. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, um, yeah, no, that's great. And I think that that's the important thing too, when you're f- trying to find somebody to have that kind of a relationship with, like, mm-hmm. this, you know, CPA, book, whoever it is, have a conversation. And if they don't jive with you or they don't work the way you do, then mm-hmm. don't work with them. There's plenty. Exactly. There are lots of lawyers. Well, around. and I think <laughs> that gets into, um, you know, I know one of the questions you had was how, how do I get, how do I find a lawyer? How do I know if uh-huh. I want to work with somebody? Yeah. Um, and really, I think you do have to have that gut instinct of trust for mm-hmm. somebody. Do you get along with them? Do you feel comfortable talking to them? Um, yeah. And another big thing that I just hate about lawyers is that they'll often just use all their staff members to communicate with the clients. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a very big deal, you know, very, very big practice because sometimes lawyers just get really busy. And of course, I understand mm-hmm. they have to use, you know, their their assistants, their paralegals, their receptionists, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, I think my style is to talk to my communi- my clients directly every time. And um, I don't even really have a staff because I'm a sole practitioner. And so I just do everything myself and the client's going to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be shuttled through a bunch of people before they can talk to me. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, when somebody asks me, say it's an area of practice that I can't handle, like I don't do divorce cases and I don't do a lot of family law. And if somebody needs an attorney in that field and they want to know, well, what, how do I find someone? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them that guidance, you know, interview several people. Yeah. And, you know, someone's going to stand out as somebody that you trust. They just are. Mm-hmm. And I think for me too, it's the, cause I do that now too. This is something that I've I also developed as my like business ownership evolves is like having Like I will, I, I interview at least three people for everything that I'm trying to do because sometimes they just don't do exactly what you need either. Right. But it's really the, the communication feeling like they're listening to me and that they're hearing what I'm saying and they understand what I'm looking for. And even if it's something that they can't help me with, it's like, Hey, talk to this person, but I'll introduce you. And I know. I get what you're trying to accomplish. I just don't do that thing. So Exactly. Are they going to um, be honest with you about what yeah, they do and yeah, do exactly. not do? <laughs> oh, for sure. All the right. time. I'm like, but can you though? Um, yeah. And so, we as people, I think we also want want to find that one person who can do everything, but that's yeah. also rare. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because everyone's good at different stuff. Like, that's the whole point. It's <laughs> like, you're really good at what you do. I'm good at what I do. And there's a lot of things that I'm not good at, but that's what other people are for. Like, yeah. they love it. Like, my bookkeeper loves numbers, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, like ah, I don't. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, how, why? You like numbers, though? Like, hold on. I don't. I mean, you're good at it, but also you enjoy it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seems suspicious. But. Yeah, there were those people that liked math in high school, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was not me. Um, that was my least favorite class, but... Um, so then what are some things to consider when it comes to succession planning for a small business? Like, how do you kind of start the conversation? Yeah, I think that that's super important. So when it comes to a business, I think everybody has to remember that a business is ultimately owned and managed by a person. And, you know, business is a separate entity, but you have to look at who is the one that is running that business. So are you a sole proprietor or sole practitioner in my case, and you're it, you're the person running that business? Then that's a different conversation than somebody who maybe has um, 25 or more employees and there's maybe already a um, sort of a layered structure within that company um, and you're at the top, or maybe you're maybe you're the vice president, and there's a president above you. Mm-hmm. The, what you really need to be looking at is what would happen if something were to happen to me. What happens to my business if I am no longer there, all of a sudden running it? Mm-hmm. And this could be for a variety of reasons. I read a really great article in the Colorado Lawyer Magazine. Um, I am from Colorado, people. I am now in Spokane, but I am from Colorado. Um, The Colorado Lawyer Magazine had this great article about not just thinking about succession planning, but what happens in the event of a natural disaster. Um, And it sort of, I was going to say, it sort of came out of (laughs) this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all had to change the way that we were doing business really fast. Mm -hmm. I luckily had already been doing some business virtually, and that was just a model that I was developing before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, in the case of a natural disaster, a pandemic, or just an accident where you're unavailable for a period of time, who is running your business? Who knows where your client list is? Who knows how to contact those clients? Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I thought was interesting was for businesses that have inventory in the event of a natural disaster, how do they get to that inventory? What happens to it? Interesting. Um, Yeah, that was just, that gave me some food for thought because I operate on the cloud. I use Dropbox Mm -hmm. and I am cloud-based on everything because I do travel back and forth from Colorado to Spokane and um, work with people all over. Yeah. So I have to be cloud-based. But for people who might have either a home-based system or um, still use servers or whatnot. You have to think about things like backups. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, who has access? Who has your passwords? Yeah. Um, so if I were to get into a car accident on the way home today, for instance, um, what would my husband do? So he's my backup. Yeah. And uh, this this podcast, in fact, prompted us to have this conversation again yesterday. We haven't talked about it for a while. And it's like, okay, do you remember where to go to mm-hmm. access my client list to know whether I have a hearing tomorrow? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> because I, I do a few hearings on guardianship and conservatorship cases still. And so, um, yeah, who's going to cover that? Mm-hmm. So think about your business in particular, and what those needs might be. And I would encourage writing them down. 
Um, and I would encourage finding that backup person, whether it's somebody in your company already because of the structure, mm-hmm. or if you're a solo or small practice, um, you know, who's your step in, who's the person that can come in and take care of those things for you. Mm-hmm. And that I think kind of leads into the estate plan. So kind of getting that into that next step, your estate plan as an individual or as a married couple will incorporate those things. Um, so if you have a will, for instance, your will is going to say who is um, entitled to operate your business or wrap it all up, sort of like an executor mm-hmm. of an estate. Uh-huh. Um, it's called a personal representative in Washington, but it's um, they have the authority to get into your bank accounts, to access your business files, to get passwords if, you know, if perhaps they don't have it, a password to a specific um bank or file Mm -hmm. on your system, that person will have that authority to get those things taken care of for you and wind it down. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't named anybody, then it's kind of a question mark. Yeah. And you end up in court. Yeah. Which is interesting because I mean, like me, I'm single Mm -hmm. and it's like, so. So what would happen? Right. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that that's a scary thought, but in reality, there is going to be someone to help, right? Yeah. Especially, again, if you've done your estate plan and you've na- named your person, then they can help. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that forethought of, you know, giving somebody this information. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I feel like, because uh, I know, like, my, my personal will and everything like that, that kind of stuff goes to my mom, but right. I didn't own a business at the time that I... Um, filled all of that stuff out. So it would just be a matter of being like, okay, so now with my business, where does all this stuff go? Yeah. Where's your active client list? And they would just need to know to contact active clients. Yeah. And for those of you that have inventory or have pending orders or have um, service that needs to happen, you know, who's going to fulfill that? Because, you know, we all like to think that we are going to, you know, live until our 80s or 90s. We'll have retired from our business. Yeah. You know, um, cleaned everything up appropriately on our own. And Sold I, that's, it for millions of dollars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We've done so well. Yes, we can retire yep. when we're 50. Yep. That's for me in three years. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the dream. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that people, this happens all the time. Yeah. And it's just so much easier on the people that you leave behind to make these decisions ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband used to joke as we were, you know, at a marketing event or something, he would ask people, do you love your family? Um, <laughs> well, then come get a will. You know, that was his way That's of, funny. I know. Yeah, or creative, he'd, yeah. <laughs> he'd say something like, do you have a will yet? And the person would answer, yeah, yeah, we have one already. And he'd be like, thank you for loving your family. <laughs> <laughs> used to crack me up. Yeah. But he's right. Yeah. Well, that's what, like, my mom and I have had that conversation um, as far as like when she goes, uh, not wanting my brother and I to have to like go through a household full of belongings and yep. like decide what to do with things. So we've had some of those conversations ahead of time. Like, what do you guys want to keep? And neither of us are very, um, we're both minimalist. Like sentimental. Or, yeah, yeah. And we're mm-hmm. both not very sentimental. I used to be before I traveled and I got rid of everything I owned. I was like, I don't why am I carrying this crap around with me? <laughs> like, I don't understand some of the stuff I hadn't even looked at in 10 years. But um, yeah, so we've kind of had those conversations where she's like, I just, I would feel terrible. I mean, <laughs> she's not going to care, but <laughs> like yeah. this, this person right now would feel bad knowing that you guys had to like deal with a bunch of crap afterwards. So like I have copies of all of her um, 
all the wills that her and my stepdad have put together mm-hmm. and like everything. Like I have all of that stuff. Good. So, you know, something happens. Um, but yeah, so. And their and, powers of attorney. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, powers of attorney are something that, you know, might be overlooked in this context, mm-hmm. but a, a basic general financial power of attorney will typically give somebody, your agent, the ability to um, not just handle your own personal affairs, but also your business affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that as a business owner, you want to make sure that somebody has that power of attorney. Um, and the difference is that, you know, while you're still living, if you just happen to get in a car accident and say you're out for a week, mm-hmm. um, then and that person can pick up and take care of things. Um you know, and then the will would be taking effect if you were to pass away. So mm-hmm. that's the difference between the power of attorney and the will, which I think people often don't understand that distinction. Mm-hmm. So can you, um, well, actually, we can, that was kind of my next question. Anyway. So how do you use a will or POA to tra- power of attorney to transition mm-hmm. your business? Um, does the power of attorney take effect in certain situations or is it just all the time? It can be both. So one or the other. So one of the questions that I'll ask a customer is, do you want your power of attorney to take effect immediately? Mm -hmm. My recommendation is usually yes, because you really just um, don't want doctors to have to jump through hoops to make a determination of incapacity. Right. So the other option is you can have your financial power of attorney take effect if you are determined to be incapacitated. You are in a coma. You are perhaps going into surgery and you're not going to be awake for a couple of days. You know, those are what we think of as being incapacitated. You're Uh not able to make your own decisions. Uh, But, you know, you don't want personally, I don't think people want to have to go through the process of getting that decision in writing Mm -hmm. to trigger the power of attorney. So I always recommend get your power of attorney, choose a trusted person. They, Mm -hmm. they act as a fiduciary, which means they have to act in your best interest. Um, and if they're making decisions on your behalf, um, they're not thinking of themselves. They're thinking of you and what Mm -hmm. you, what, what needs, um, need to be met for you and your business. So again, financial power of attorney would address business matters. Okay. Um, you know, then there's the medical power of attorney and that that's really your health care. So that's your personal um, situation. And then the will, if you were to pass away, will also have that person named as your personal representative that can work with your business, work with your personal assets and essentially um, arrange to have everything flow the way you directed it to. So I have some clients who, for instance, want their business to be transitioned to a specific individual. Um, One person came to me for the primary reason of succession planning. Mm -hmm. It's not like he had a lot of assets. He didn't have much, but he wanted to make sure that his business um, would transition to a specific person that was sort of his partner, Mm -hmm. maybe not on paper, but his quote unquote partner. And he wanted to make sure that all went smoothly over to this person. And that's exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. So, which makes sense too, because in that situation, if it's just your friend who's your partner in name, um, and th- he dies or something terrible mm-hmm. happens, then uh, this other person would be left with nothing and have to be like, "But he said he wanted me to have the business." Yes, and then a bunch of attorneys and, it's and not in writing judges have to be like, "But did he though? Like, how do we?" Mm-hmm. And then someone has to make the decision instead of just being like, "Hey, this is the guy. Like, he's my buddy. He's been my partner on this." Um, I want my business to go to him if I die. Right. Um, and if like it's not whole, in writing, that won't happen. Yeah. 
It'll just poof. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I can't tell you the countless number of people I've had come to me after someone passes away saying, but my dad told me he wanted me to have this or, you know, um, a lot of times it's tools or equipment that was used mm. as part of a business. And I'm thinking more like uh, I could think of a business that was more of a contracting type of trade mm-hmm. and they had big heavy machinery and they had tools and this, that, and the other. And there was nothing I could do to enforce that perceived wish mm-hmm. because it wasn't in writing. Yeah. And he died. The person had passed away without a will. So when that happens, law kicks in and it goes to a very specific set of people. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, okay. but I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it, it is so important to think ahead about what you want done and make sure the documents say it. Because if you don't have the documents, it won't happen that way. Yeah. Well, that's what you, so you were saying that if, if I don't have that in place, like let's say something happens to me, knock on wood, um, and my business is just like poof, but then it, there's, um, instructions by law where like it goes, there's this order of things. So like if I die and, uh, my personal assets need to be distributed because I'm so rich. Um, because yes. I'm gonna retire by the time I'm fifty. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like my assets would need to be distributed. Right. There's an order in which that has to happen based on the state you live in. Exactly. I'm assuming it's different by state. It is, but a most states bit. most states follow a uniform code and it's okay. very similar. So I would say the general way things they look at is spouse first. Um, if your spouse is no longer living, then they're gonna look at children. Um, if you don't have any children, then they're going to look at parents. Um, they're going to look at brothers and sisters and then, you know, it goes out by, um, sort of stage thereafter, maybe aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews. Mm. So they're going to look for biological connections, not, you know, friends Mm -hmm. or, and then, and you know, one other thing that people really miss is stepkids. Yeah. You know, stepkids are not biologically yours if you haven't adopted them. And so, um, you know, my stepmom, for instance, you know, the three of us kids are, we're not adopted by her. We have our mom. Yeah. Um, so if she didn't have a will and say my dad passed away before she did, mm-hmm. she inherits everything and all the money's hers. If she didn't have a will leaving us something, we wouldn't get it. Yeah. And that would not be their intent. Well, and especially if you are in any kind of um, acrimonious, that's not the word, uh, like where the biological children mm-hmm. don't want you to have anything because of whatever right. BS happens. You know, there's lots of stuff that happens. I'm oh, sure you know. I have seen it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's another situation where it's like they wouldn't get anything. And for me, like my ex has three kids. And so I've been a stepmom since they were super little, like, and we're not together anymore, but I'm still in touch with the kids. Cause I'm like, they've been a part of my life now for 12 years. Like, um, so I would want to consider them like, they're not my own children. And again, I'm not going to adopt them because they have a whole mom. Exactly. (laughs) They have a living mom, a whole entire mother. Um, and then, you know, a series of aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's just an interesting thing to kind of think about too, is that you know, there's so many blended families these days Mm -hmm. and, you know, different kids situations and you've got whole kids and half kids and step kids. Yeah. And by the way, I have an adopted kid and she's actually, you know, legally adopted kids are like your kids just so you know, but what if you had a foster kid? Then what, you know, so there's, um, I do like to work with a lot of foster families as well with Mm -hmm. just this kind of, um, planning and forethought. Yeah. 
I like it. So many things to think about. I know. I think you were saying something about uh, when we first met about how you talk about death all the time. Yes. <laughs> that's like, that's literally what you do is you're like, hey, so listen, um, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, I hate to tell you, but. But you will. You will. And mm-hmm. then other people are going to have to deal with all your crap. Yep. When you die. So that's the best way you can say it. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny. They say that the, care. <laughs> the two things in life that are certain are death and taxes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I, ha- I help you with both. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Yes. Um, that's too funny. Or maybe not funny. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to laugh about yeah, it. You really do. Now, okay. I've lost some people in the last couple of weeks and, and it's been hard. Some, you know, yeah. um, but it's, you know, it is a, it is a fact of life and yeah. I would rather be prepared for it and make my wishes known and make sure that my loved ones who I've left behind um, aren't like cursing me as they're trying to go through all my crap. Yeah, you're like stacks of newspapers or whatever, like, yeah, oh, yeah. so many things. Um, no, it's great. So oh, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, I wanted to ask more about like the medical directives and yeah. which... I asked originally was living wills and you said that that's a very common misnomer, I guess, of, um, but yeah. So what about medical directives or POAs? I guess more so medical directives. Yeah. Something happens and you're incapacitated. Like that's perfect. There are two different kinds of medical directives that I think people need to be aware of. And one is the medical power of attorney. Um, that person is an individual that you name. Usually it's spouse first. If you're married, um, maybe adult children, um, parents for, so those of us that are still younger and have, you know, active, healthy parents might be chosen as a, as an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that person that you want to make those medical decisions for you. Um, it, it includes things like surgeries, other medical procedures, whether you're going to be put on life support, um, or even, uh, pain relief, comfort care, that kind of thing. But what is also covered by a medical power of attorney that, um, I don't think people always know is where you're going to live. So in a condition where you may have dementia um, and they need to put, you know, say an elderly person into an assisted living facility because they can't continue to take care of themselves, Mm -hmm. the medical power of attorney gets to make that decision. Okay. Um, When you don't have that kind of document and somebody, an elderly, it's usually an elderly parent, is... Um, needing to be moved, say, from home into an assisted living or cared for in a different manner, um, it can become a court battle. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I unfortunately have to handle those as well, which involves guardianship. And that's when an adult is becomes a guardian of another adult and has to make these medical decisions and placement, living situation decisions for them. Mm-hmm. So get a medical power of attorney so that your kids or your people don't have to go to court to take care of you. Yeah. That's the key. Well, and that makes sense too, because that's where uh, my mom and I have had that conversation as well, is that this is where I think the term living will comes from. Yes. Is like if something happens and you're like in a coma, um, how do you determine, do you want to be on life support? Right. Do you want somebody to just pull the plug? Like how those yes. kinds of conversations are super important to have, I mm-hmm. think too. They because are. People mm-hmm. are very... Um, generally pretty strong willed about what they want to have happen. Like, even if it's Mm -hmm. just, I just want to be cremated. Like, don't bury me, please. Like I don't throw me in the ocean. That's where I would like to go. It's now on record. It's on record. (laughs) You guys heard it in Mexico, preferably Puerto Vallarta. Okay. Love it. So, um, but you know what, picking up on what you said about the living will and the directive, that's sort of the second document that I wanted to mention. So you've got your medical power of attorney and good transition. You also have your healthcare directive. That's sometimes called a living will. And Mm -hmm. that's where, 
we get this kind of confusion between what is a will, a last will and testament, mm-hmm. and what is a living will. So a living will is a healthcare directive that says exactly whether you want to be on life support or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only applies in two very unique circumstances. You have to either have a terminal condition. Two doctors usually have to certify that in writing that you are okay. indeed terminal. Mm-hmm. No hope for any kind of, you know, I mean, other than a miracle, you're not, um, the, the putting you on life support would only further extend your body. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, like brain dead kind of situation. Yeah. And that's okay. number two is the brain dead situation. Oh, okay. So, um, if you have what's called, um, Colorado calls it a persistent vegetative state and, um, I am. There's, there's another term that Washington uses that I, I'm not remembering off the yeah. cuff, but it's essentially you are brain dead. Mm-hmm. You are, you have no brain activity. And so say you're on life support because this happened during surgery or something and they put you on life support. Your directive will tell the doctors whether to keep you on that life support or withhold it or withdraw it. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important document. And like you said, some people have very strong beliefs on it. Um, usually if they have experienced someone who has gone through being on life support, they will feel very adamant that they don't ever want to be on life support. Yeah. Um, it's also, you have to think about monetarily. Do you have insurance that's paying for this level of care or would being, you know, kept on life support indefinitely, would that just completely break the bank? Yeah. And someone else is going to have to take care of it at some point. Exactly. So those are the medical side of things. Definitely super important. Um, And then, you know, we, of course, also help people choose um, guardianship of their children. So in in estate planning, we're looking not only at your assets. Mm -hmm. um, You know, my term, one of my terms that I like to say is about your life, not about your money. So estate planning is not just about money. It's not just about saving taxes. Mm -hmm. It's about the people that are around you. And what are you leaving behind? What is your legacy? Um, and, and how are you taking care of your family, your children, your parents, your people? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, the other, oh, I had a couple questions that popped up into my head. So one of the things that I was thinking too, is when you're talking about like medical decisions, um, if you have a partner who is not a legal spouse, that's also a tough place to be in. I would imagine because yeah. they wouldn't default to that person to make your care decisions, right? They right. would find someone else, like either a parent or... It depends. Like if you were there and had capacity to tell them that this person can make a decision for uh-huh. you, then maybe they would honor that, but they don't have to. Okay. Um, and you bring up a good point that I forgot to mention that the documents all have the HIPAA release. So... Um, obviously medical, um, offices, they can't release information to anybody without a HIPAA release. Mm-hmm. And so all of the, the powers of attorney all include that HIPAA release for your agent so that they can oh. talk to your significant other, your, you know, mm-hmm. your spouse, your sibling, uh, whoever it is that's going to be, whoever, yeah, yeah, best friend. Exactly. That's probably who I would actually have to be like, Hey, can you make decisions? Um, yeah. And definitely talk to people. Like you said, um, don't just put somebody down on paper. Talk to them first. Make sure that they can, you know, really take on this role and understand what your wishes are. 
Yeah. Well, and be okay with actually making those decisions. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like that's a whole different, you know, like being in charge of someone's actual whole life, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if they're incapacitated and they don't, they don't have any input and you're trying to decide if they should have surgery or not, or right. what kind of like, do we do crazy life-saving procedures? I don't know. Like right. what happens if they become a vegetable? <laughs> like Exactly. Whole, like that would be for me anyway. Like that's what I would think is like, oh my God, like, okay, I have to actually make decisions for this person. So yeah, are um, the, is this person going to ask the right questions of my doctors? That's something yeah. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are they, yeah. Are they capable of having these? Cause I've seen some people in uh, medical situations where their partner or whoever doesn't understand and isn't a very good advocate for them. Right. So you need somebody that can advocate for you, advocate for you and make sure that you're getting what you need mm-hmm. and also what you want. And when it's time to let go. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Oh. Mm-hmm. So much, so much yeah. death. This is the darkest ah. episode so far. I love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it just that was just another consideration for me. Like the guy who wants his business to go to his his friend that's his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no legal relationship there, so right. the same thing would carry forward if you don't have um, a legal relationship with your significant other or mm-hmm. whoever you want to make decisions. Well, and actually, um, I wanted to add to that, and I kind of forgot. So if you are in a partnership that is a legal partnership, make sure you have an operating agreement. Oh yeah, a lot of people will form partnerships and they won't have the stuff in writing, but the operating agreement is actually going to have that section in it about what happens if a partner dies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any corporate documents that you have, um, just read them, double check what happens if I pass away. What happens if my partner passes away? Do I get first dibs on their share or Mm -hmm. does it get inherited by somebody that I don't even know? Yeah. Cause that's, I've, uh, we were just talking to a, a partnership that I'm in. We were talking to um, their business attorney about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, so first right of, of refusal. Is it like, where does mm-hmm. it go? Those are very important things to discuss. Yes. <laughs> so yes. especially um, depending on the type of practice, you might not be able to have another person come in and, uh-huh. you know, like for instance, law firms can't be owned by a non-lawyer. Yeah. So real estate is the same. That's mm-hmm. the partnership is a real estate agency. And so one person is um, the managing broker because the other person hasn't hit their time yet. So right. it's like, what happens? Yeah. <laughs> the, the business just goes away. We sell it or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Split the assets and move on. But um, yeah, and, so mm-hmm. if you don't have someone designated, no, I already asked that question. The Where do doctors find the information if something, ha- like if I get mm-hmm. in a car accident and I'm not awake? Right. Um, how do they know? Most often, you know, in that kind of situation, you're relying on the person that you've named to be contacted as like one of your emergency contacts or know that something's happened to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they would bring in the document. Um, if you're working with a physician regularly, like your primary care, or maybe you're going in for surgery, they're going to ask you for those documents to have on file. So, um, it just depends on where you're at. If you're receiving regular care, like, um, people who have cancer that have gone in and they have regular care treatments, they're going to have those documents on file. Um, if you're moving a parent into an assisted living place, for instance, they're going to require that those parents, you know, those people have powers of attorney and wills mm-hmm. and stuff on file. So, okay. Mm-hmm. But like if I, if I show up at the ER, they would just get into my phone and find my emergency contacts and start there basically. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's typically like, what, what would happen. How do they know? They just right. like send a message to the ether and they're like, who's in charge of this person? Yes. Like, that's kind of scary. Yeah. They're going to find them, find your phone and, um, and get the information. So, I mean, a lot of people carry something in their wallet that will say, you know, in the event of an emergency contact, so-and-so. I always wanted to do this as a business owner and never quite got around to it, but my estate planning attorney who had a bigger firm (laughs) um, would do these little laminated cards 
And on the card, it would say who your um, agent was and have uh-huh. their phone number. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's just very time consuming. Yeah. I like that though. Yeah. Cause I just have, I have them designated in my phone. So like if something happened, they would just call mm-hmm. my various contacts, but yeah. Um, okay. So when someone is considering working with it, no, edit that out in the future. We already talked about this. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. so as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself, what advice would you give fellow business owners when it comes to running their businesses? Yeah, there's so much. Oh my gosh, I have learned so much in the four years that I have had my own business. And I think I was lucky because when I started, I joined a group, a networking group that was really focused on education. Mm. And through that, I met so many different people and and we always had really good discussions about what we do as business owners, ways that we can do stuff, software perhaps that makes our businesses work better. Um, getting a bookkeeper, you know, mm-hmm. making sure your books are in order. That was a big growth area for me. Um, and, um, you know, we, we get tempted, I think, to handle every little thing ourselves. Me as a sole proprietor, um, am I going to just handle it all myself? Am I going to do my own social media? Am I going to um, do my own books? It gets to be too much. So I think you have to identify what your highest and best use and purpose is. Um, mine is working with clients, drafting the papers, you know, that that's my highest and best use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hire a bookkeeper to do my reconciliation. I hire social media consultant to help with that. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. try to make use, even though you may not think you have the money for it, <laughs> try, you know, use yourself in your highest capacity and use others when you can. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Offload some of that crap. Yeah. Um, Get yourself connected. It's just, you know, we can consume ourselves with our business. Mm -hmm. We can consume ourselves by having our phone on us late at night or, and and I just, I've always been the kind of person who wants to keep my nights and my weekends for me and for my family. Mm -hmm. And so I do my best to do that unless there's an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually done that uh, quite a bit lately. It's almost like my brain is like, nope. You're mm-hmm. done working now. And like, I just cannot, yep. I can't do, <laughs> which is great. Cause like it's, it feels different than being burnt out. Um, cause I'm sure you probably know what that feels like too, but oh, yes. it's just like, uh, my brain just doesn't want to work for that anymore. Right. So I'm going to go do something fun. I'm going to go outside. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go golf or whatever, yes. whatever thing I want to do, or even just read a book. That's You're going to refresh too. and renew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your I clients don't want you working when you feel like that. No. And most people really don't, like, they would feel bad if they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, what did you do at 8 p.m.? Like, stop. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the things I realized at some point was that I can't reach my personal goals, like the goals that are actually me, um, if I don't have some sort of, like, balance mm-hmm. and really invest the time and energy into myself that I do into my business also. Oh, absolutely. So I, like, in Self-care. the last, yeah, 100%, mm. like, probably six months or so. Um, I work out all the time. I do like golf, tennis. I do stuff outside. I go on hikes. I read. Um, I stopped watching TV at the beginning of the pandemic because I was, I was like, this is is a little much. This is a little much. Yeah. I'm watching really stupid stuff that I don't even care about. And so I just grounded myself from any kind of, I don't watch Netflix, nothing. Like I just read I don't think I could survive. (laughs) It was, it was pretty crazy, but it was like literally just cutting myself up. I'm like, okay, this is a real problem. So, um, but yeah, like just the, the priority on the time that you have mm-hmm. because you only have one 
one whole life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, your kids, if you have kids or, you yeah. know, I, and I've been joking about this lately because I wear a lot of hats mm-hmm. between, you know, the lawyer hat, the wife hat, the mom hat. I was a general contractor for a while. So there was that hat. Um, my husband was recently facing a very difficult medical condition. I had the caregiver hat. Um, and, and when are you just you? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there was no hat that was just Marissa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, I think we can forget that. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, um, I, somebody asked me on a different podcast that I was a guest on what I would tell people. They were just like, what would you say? What, what do you think people need to know? And I was like, Oh, that's, that's a lot of, uh, okay. Um, but it was, it's that you're the only person that stuck with you your whole life. Mm-hmm. 100% guaranteed. Like some people are married to a person for 70 years mm-hmm. and good for them. But like, you're the only person that you're guaranteed to be with. Like your kids are going to move out. They're going to go have their own lives. Stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself first. Yes. That's the whole, that's really all that matters. Yes. And take care of yourself and your family by doing what I'm telling you to and getting your estate plan. Also that, yes. Also nice. Bring it full circle. (laughs) Bring it home. Um, I think the last like businessy question I had is, so what resources do you wish you'd known about or taken advantage of at the beginning of the journey? Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I think I was just one of the lucky few who, who had those resources up front. I really mm-hmm. do. I, I gave some thought to that. And um, I had worked so long for another firm where I really learned the inner workings of how to do everything, how to manage the bank accounts, how to manage the trust accounts, how to do client development. So I feel like I educated myself well mm-hmm. before starting. But I've seen a lot of people who do not. They'll just start something and they don't have the education and support that they need, you know, to move forward. So mm-hmm. if you are considering starting a business or if you're a new business owner, think about um, who you can network with or meet with to learn more about the different aspects of what you're doing. Because it's mm-hmm. all about education, in my opinion. I mean, granted, I went to school forever, so... Um, <laughs> Education is big. So educate yourself, educate yourself. Yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause it's, um, depending on your background and experience, like you happen to have the background that taught you how to run your specific business exactly. too. And for me, it's, it's similar. Like I've managed businesses since I was an adult mm-hmm. basically. So, um, but a lot of people don't come with that background. Like mm-hmm. I just happen to have operations and business management experience. Cause that's just like what happened in my life. And yeah. that was where my leadership journey took me. So mm-hmm. That's, that's the information I have, but a lot of people don't, like you said, they just start yeah. a thing and they're like, Oh, I'm going to, they don't know. They don't. Yeah. And, and it, it's I, fine. If you don't know, you just, just need to find educate. out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I've had a lot, a lot, a lot of my fellow lawyers from litigation ask me, well, how did, how did you learn how to do estate planning? And I said, Oh my gosh, guys, first of all, we learned it in law school. Yeah. Granted that was 23 years ago, Yeah. but you just, you educate yourself that's yeah. what we do. You have to go in, you have to educate yourself. You have to get the resources you need, get the mentors that can help you with questions and, and, uh, and move forward. That's what, you know, at least for lawyers, that's our ethical obligation. Mm-hmm. But I think in any business, educating yourself is key. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So tell us how we can best support you um, and find you. Yeah. Well, best supporting me would be, I just love talking to people. Just come talk to me. Come, you know, see if I can help you. I love, um, I do free consultations. So um, you can call me, you can email me. Um, I'm assuming, Kristen, you'll have my contact information Mm -hmm. on your site. But if not, um, my telephone number is a 
Colorado area code, but it is 720-545-6994. You reach me directly and I would love to help answer any questions you have about your particular business, your situation, um, and go from there. That's great. Yeah. Get our our actual phone number. Yes. And I actually love talking to people. That's good. I'm a people person. Um, yeah. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Yeah. It's a great time. And, uh, I will talk to you. Cool.